Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Starting this new series, Bless, we're starting, uh, we're going to be talking about this whole concept of, of God's calling, of obedience, um, and we're going to really be looking at the aspect of the Virgin Mary and of why she was called blessed among all women. And we're going to look really on un- just unpack her story and try to better understand her life, her character. And uh, we're going to be looking at other stories as well. But um, this whole month, we're, this idea of being blessed, we're going to look at what uh, biblical truth says about what being blessed is. And so today's message is going to be, uh, we're going to talk about Harder Than I Thought. Our title is Harder Than I Thought. And I feel like when it comes to trying to walk out our faith, it is so much harder than we initially thought. Even just becoming a Christian, I feel like me personally, it was so much harder than I thought. It wasn't anything really to do with God but everything to do with the people around me, the situations around me that made it harder than I thought. And we're going to unpack about Mary's calling and being the Virgin Mary and how it was so much harder than she probably thought. But first, let's start by talking about what childlike faith is. The Bible tells us to have childlike faith. And when I first think of that, I just think of like innocence, you know, just believing and trusting um, with a clean slate. And it makes me think of my kids. I mean, childlike faith makes me think of my children. And dude, my, my kids are crazy and they trust me so much. My youngest, Jules, will climb on the couch and I'll say, no, don't get down. And instead of just getting down like a normal human being, she decides to jump backwards, free fall, trust fall completely and go com- uh, and and she trusts me to just catch her. It's terrifying, but she trusts me that much to where I can just jump off the couch backwards and dad will catch me. And I feel like uh, it's so it's so funny to to think about how my daughter does that and how when I think of childlike faith, that's what faith God calls us to. And and I want to share a quote with you. Childlike faith it can seem naive and reckless to others. Childlike faith can seem naive and reckless to others. And uh, we're going to look in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. It says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, who is her cousin, who is also pregnant at this time with John the Baptist, important guy of the Bible. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord would do. Uh, you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed the Lord will do what he said. That that statement right there 
really explains why she's blessed among all women. Because she simply believed God would do what he said he would do. And if we were to examine our faith, I mean, our faith usually goes to the level of looking for a parking spot at Walmart. Driving around like, come on, God, I know you got a spot for me near the front. Yes, Jesus, you take the wheel. (laughs) That's usually what our faith looks like. But to think about the level of childlike faith that Mary had, I feel like we're really not engaged in our faith if it doesn't seem naive to somebody. I feel like I would go as far to say that we are not engaging in our faith if it doesn't seem naive and reckless to somebody. It is impossible to please God without faith. And I feel like our churches today have made faith to be more about believing God for a new car than it is about taking on God's calling for our lives. True faith is recognized by action and the affirmation of our hearts. Let's unpack that for a second. Action, that true faith is recognized by action. What that means is that there's, there's uh, actions following our steps of faith. That we're not just saying it, but that we're walking it out. I once read a book called The Fourth Dimension by um, Dr. Chan. And one thing that he says in this book is faith is having no plan B. It's either going to work or it doesn't. And I remember when I read his book and I read that specific part, it it literally made me feel afraid <laughs> to the point where uh, I put the book down and I thought for just like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. And I was just thinking, is this the kind of life I want to live? Because it was a sobering moment to think of having such faith to where I don't make plan B's that when I feel God's calling or leading that I just go 100% and it, it's either God's going to make it work or it's not. And it was a, a sobering moment to really digest and examine, am I willing to put my foot forward and stand on faith? It's like sitting in a chair. Every, when you, whenever you sit in a chair, you, you involve faith. You believe that the chair is going to hold you up. And to, to sit in the chair of faith with God it's more like standing on it and you're you're trusting that it's going to hold you up you now uh while you're while you're doing whatever you have to do on that chair and you're trusting that it's sustained and when i say uh when i say affirmation of our hearts what i mean is in our hearts it's one thing to believe it and have a wishful thought or or hope but it's another thing to set your mind to believe in faith to say this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm called to do. I believe God and actually mentally setting aside and pushing away your doubts and your confusions. And see, I feel like that is the most misunderstood thing about walking in faith or childlike faith is that it truly just seems like you didn't think about it to others. But the reality is, is when you have real authentic childlike faith that is engaged It's not that you haven't thought about all of the recklessness or all of the fears, but you've you've intentionally moved those fears aside to trust God instead. And I want to take a moment to pause and think about, because look, with all this talk about faith and believing what God has called us to do, it opens the jar of 
needing to know discernment of whether it is God telling me to do something or whether it's just me. I think that's a, always a thought that we have, right? We often end up acting out of our own initiatives, but rarely end up acting out of God's calling. I'll elaborate. Uh, when we're when we're trying to find discernment of whether to uh, active we're activating childlike faith or simply foolishness, it takes an authentic examination of our hearts, and it also takes transparent accountability to, with people. What that means is an examination of a heart, just deep down, asking yourself, is, is this something that I simply just want to do, or is it something that that I believe God is calling me to do? I mean. Really just asking yourself, am I, am I wanting to do this because I'm trying to run away from something? Or is it because God is actually calling me to do something? Do y'all feel what I'm saying? And I, I really believe that when it comes to trying to discern if it is us or if it's God, God calls us to, to things that fulfill God's kingdom. Our own foolishness ends up calling a uh, uh, ends up following things that only please our our selfish lives. It's like the idea of, I, I don't know how many times um, we've uh, I've heard somebody say, um, oh, God, God spoke to me and he's called me to marry this person. Or God's called me and he's, uh, God's speaking to me and he's called me to get a new car. You know, not that God doesn't speak to us about those things, but look at the, the, the motivation. It's me, myself, I. It's self-serving. But every time Jesus talks in the Bible, he tells us to serve others. And when we serve others, it usually is a sacrifice of ourselves. The opposite is when we're serving ourselves, it's just uh, it's like looking at God as a vending machine, or even worse, the sacrifice of others to please self. That's not how God works. And so... An authentic examination of our heart, of our motivation, of our intention. And, and then transparent accountability with people really helps expose these, uh, or not expose, but bring about better discernment in examining what's going on. Because there's so many times where if you can find somebody that is just you, you admire, that you would consider wise, that you would say you would trust, Go to people like that and, and ask them, hey, I've been feeling this in my heart. I'm trying to, to discern if it's God really speaking to me or if it's just a foolish idea or something that I'm doing for myself. What are your thoughts? And if you can find somebody that you can actually talk to like that, it really helps to, to bring about clarity. And they can even, uh, it'll be even just a moment for them to ask questions. Well, when did this idea first come up? And you can start connecting the dots. Well, it was after I got into a fight with my boss. You know, it's moments like that where it's, it shows maybe you're actually just emotionally frustrated at work and that's why you feel this calling to leave. It, it might not actually be God's calling, but you just being fed up. And, but then there's moments where you can, it, once you start going through that process of conversating about these ideas of callings, then you can start examining things like, well, no, it was actually, uh, I, I did this fast, and right after the fast, I felt like I needed to do this. It almost seemed like out of nowhere. Um, you, you see what I mean? It, it, 
And when someone's conversating to you about it, it helps just bring clarity. So childlike faith seems naive and reckless to others. And when we're trying to discern if we're having childlike faith or just self-seeking faith, <laughs> I don't think that's faith, that's just self-seeking. But if we're trying to discern those two, it helps by just truly authentically examining our hearts and conversating it with people that we trust, who are, we believe are wiser than us, people that we can uh, just talk to about it. Now, um, when we look at when we look at the Virgin Mary in this moment, she was blessed because she believed. She just simply believed, and it seems like just so elegant, you know, just. Oh, wow, she just believed, it was graceful, and she lived happily ever after. Mary's calling was very brutal. It's beautiful and brutal at the same time. I feel like it's a, what, what I've heard been called before, a brutal calling, a combination of the two words. And obedience to God's calling often comes with opposition and scrutiny. Obedience to God's calling often comes with opposition and scrutiny. So many of you guys have experienced this even just when you first gave your life to Christ, when you first started getting trying to get close to God. And it seemed like the very people that you thought would be cheering you on ended up at having these condescending comments and asking, well, why are you going there? What You think you're better than us? And, and having all these things that were not edifying to you. You're like, well, why is it a problem? Why, I thought you'd be happy for me. And when you start going into like deeper stuff to, to where, say you start deciding to tithe, oh my gosh, that's that's a big step of faith. And, and all of a sudden, not only can you find opposition from others, but then you're finding uh, uh, scrutiny from others, but then you find opposition just within your own self. Like, man, this is not as easy as I thought. I thought when I started tithing, God was going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing I can't contain. I mean, that's what they said in church. But now I feel like uh, I, I'm just like stressed out about money. You know, it is it is just a reality that there that God's calling for us and to be obedient in certain things can be brutal at times, even while it's beautiful at the same time. In Luke chapter 1, Verses 26 through, through 38, we're going to look at, at Mary's experience. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to, the, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin ma named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of, the an of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. 
What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's examine this for a moment. This seems, if we just... If we just look at this in a shallow perspective, what we see is, wow, that's great. Good for her. Cheer her on. Add a girl. Let's, let's look at what this would really like. This girl was engaged. Some of you have been in a relationship before, right? If my wife, while we were engaged, told me that she was pregnant and that she had this premonition of an angel speaking to her, as spiritual and great as I am, very, very uh, studious, uh, I, chivalry is, is strong in me, right? Great Homer. I'm obviously being sarcastic. If my wife told me that she was pregnant like that, I would not have had it. I would have, there would have been yelling, there would, I would have been angry, I would have been completely upset, and it would have been broke off. There's no way I could believe her. Just in her relationship, think of how much discord this created. I mean, how much convincing, how much, how much fighting her and Joseph had before Joseph had an angel visit him. It said it, when, when the angel visited Joseph, it was at a point where Joseph had already said in his heart, he said he was ready to let her go quietly. <laughs> he was ready to break off the engagement quietly so that she wouldn't be disgraced in the town. I mean, how, what, what a great guy. He was willing to just let it, like, just end it peacefully. He's already told his family he's just going to let it just fizzle out to, and as far as the public side. And at that moment is when it took an angel visiting Joseph to say, hey, look, she's telling the truth. Think about how much fighting they had before that. The arguments that, and think about even how after that point, what it felt like for Mary when he didn't believe her. I mean, this is a burden, a brutal calling that she's having, having to go through, even though it's one of the, beautiful, the most beautiful callings we could ever see in Scripture. Now take a step at just what it was like in the town. What do you think her friends were saying about her? The friends that she thought she had, and the, what, the way that they're treating her now. I mean, the, just n not her friends, but her family. Think about the way people are responding to it. And... And it is just a brutal experience that she uh, that she most likely went through in this beautiful calling. Not to mention the incredible responsibility. This isn't like any other prophet or any other calling in the Bible where it says, go, go over here and, and defeat these people and God will give you, uh, and then you can have all the plunder. It, it's, not, it's not go to Nineveh for, and go around uh, preaching for three days for the people to repent. No, this is more than a week. This is more than months. This is a lifetime of commitment that Mary has been called to. I don't know if you've had kids before, but I prayed three, me and my wife prayed for three years to have our children. And we were just trying to get one. And the responsibility that came with one child, we, they're a blessing. There is everything that we hope for. And then some, I mean, we had our one kid and without even trying, we had another kid and we're like, okay, let's try not to have a kid. And then now we're having another kid. 
It is literally, now I understand the scripture that says he will give you blessings that you can't contain, overflowing out of your lap, more than you can control. It, I, they're out of control. I need help. And we have all these kids and their blessings. But most of the time in scripture, blessing, God's blessing has responsibility connected to it. Even when we look in Genesis at the story of Joseph, it is consistently says that Joseph was blessed, that God blessed him. And every time it says that God blessed Joseph, it's like, and Joseph was in the prison and God blessed him and he was responsible for all of the other prisoners. How is that a blessing, right? He was, it was all responsibility. In, in our churches today, we just see blessings as smooth sailing. It's almost like early retirement. That's what we've been taught about blessings, and it's not true. And the blessing is directly connected to responsibility, and children are the perfect example. This moment here for Mary is the most prophetic description of a blessing that we see in Scripture because she is blessed and given this incredible responsibility of taking care of a newborn, of a human being, and it doesn't just go away after the first year. It sticks around for the second year, the third year, 15 years later, 18 years later. Jesus lived all the way to 33. That's a lifetime that Mary had to carry this responsibility. And let alone the responsibility of it being the Son of God. I mean, I, I feel like my kids are pretty important, but... I didn't have an angel come and speak to me that they're going to be the children of God and that they're going to liberate the entire world. It, you know, that's a that's a pressure, dude. I mean, I mean, I'm if you thought you were afraid if you're going to about the thoughts of whether you're going to formula feed or breastfeed before, I mean, think about all the decisions she had to make in the stress and anxiety of having to take care of the son of God. I mean, and she, it I mean, that is so much responsibility, so much pressure that she had to take on for her first kid that she didn't even ask for. It's huge. And the fact that she ends by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said come true. That is incredibly humble of Mary. And what I see in, in Mary is that uh, other, all the other people around her most likely scrutinized her and thought less of her because of the calling she was called to. And here it says that God saw her as favored, that the Lord is with you. I mean, it seems like perspectives of people are completely different perspectives of that, that of God has. God sees Mary favored and blessed. He's with her, not against her. And while everybody else is thinking, oh, she's a sinner. She's not good enough. God will never use her. She ruined her life. There's no way God would call her to give birth to the Messiah. That's ridiculous. While other people thought that, God thought purity, authenticity of Mary. And Mary's willingness, even in the midst of an, being unsure even in the midst of being confused, we see how humble she is because it says that right after the angel said, favored woman, the Lord is with you, it said that Mary was confused and disturbed. Why would God want to have anything to do with me? I'm just a, I'm just a servant girl. I'm not anything. I mean, 
why would God say this? It says she was confused about God's calling over her life because she didn't think of herself as that important. You know, what I see is so often we don't believe God's calling for our lives because we think so little of ourselves. And, and no matter how much we think of ourselves because of our insecurities, because we don't think we're good enough or spiritual enough, whatever, God actually has very high thoughts of you. Great, beautiful, amazing thoughts of you. And, and it is such a beautiful moment to realize that this calling is specific to Mary and just like your calling is specific to you. You know, it, it leads me into our last point, which is being sure. Being sure. With all this talk about callings, all this talk about being obedient to God's will, I feel like this is a spot where we get stuck on. Being sure. Well, how am I sure that it's God? How am I sure that this is what I'm supposed to do? Well, what if I'm supposed to go to this school or that school? How am I supposed to be sure if I'm supposed to take this job or that job? If I'm supposed to be with that person or this person? If I'm supposed to go to this church or that church? How am I supposed to be sure? It's hard to find out God's calling while still being in the midst of free will. <laughs> I believe that God gives us free will to every human being. What that means is free will is like gravity. It is always there. We always have a choice. But there's specific moments in time. I would say even specific moments in our life where God's sovereignty supersedes our free will to where the calling has magnificent proportions to where he pushes us more than on other instances. And we'll look at it in, in this next text. It says in Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, Zechariah said to the angel, this is now going backtracking to Elizabeth. Elizabeth got pregnant before Mary. She's going to give birth to John the Baptist. And her husband is Zechariah. He's, he's now ministering in the temple at this point and has this permanent, this, this vision of this angel that comes and speaks to him and says all this stuff about how he and his wife are going to give birth to John the Baptist, and he's going to pave the way for the Messiah to come. And at this point, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. <laughs> Talk about uh, overkill, right? At first glance, it seems overkill. You will be unable to speak. And sure enough, scripture shows that Zechariah was not able to speak until John was born. And in this moment, what I see is the same as what so many Christians behave as. And that is Christians procrastinate and hesitate by demanding more prayer and more signs. God calls us to do something and we blockade it and we resist and we hesitate with the spiritual label of, well, I need to pray about it or I'm waiting for God to give me a sign. This dude is having a conversation with an angel 
think about this scenario. I have not had any conversations with angels, let alone have a face-to-face meeting. And this bro is going about saying, how can I be sure this will happen? I mean, what more proof do you need? An angel is talking to you. And it shows that it wasn't as much about disbelief, but a hesitation to, to, to even accepting this calling. And he's saying, I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. The other part of the scripture that, that I believe is, is so overlooked is that the very reason of why he says he doesn't believe is the same is the same issue of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis. Now, keep in mind he is ministering in the temple. So let's look at him as a you know an average pastor, okay, and a modern pastor. He's ministering in the temple, and they, uh, Abraham and Sarah they were the patriarchs. They they they're the patriarch of our faith. They're in the Jewish culture. They're known as the father of our faith. And it was commonly taught about the miracle of Abraham and Sarah giving birth in their old age. And here, this guy is the very message that he may be giving, he doesn't believe himself. While well, he's talking about even Abraham and Sarah gave birth in their old age because God is a God of miracles. But then here he has an angel come and speak to him, say, this is what's going to happen. And you're like, well, you know, that doesn't make sense because I'm old in age. Do y'all see the hypocrisy? Do you see the not taking your own medicine? And that's so often what Christians do is uh, do what I say, but not as I do. I'm going to share. That's why why it feels so ugly when you go to a judgmental church because there's no way you can be judgmental without ex- without exposing yourself to. Because the very things that we accuse others of, we are not perfect either. And this moment where it says, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, this is what will happen. You know, I, I really want to encourage people listening to this right now to stop making spiritual sounding excuses of why you can't do spiritual things. Let me say that again. Stop making spiritual sounding excuses of why you can't do spiritual things. I'll give an example. So often people start a process, uh, they, they feel God calling them to start reading the Bible. And, and it's like spiritual. It's like, man, I really just feel like I want to read what the Bible says. I want to find out about God. I want to learn more. And then after a while, just like going to the gym, it's like, oh, I kind of don't feel like going today. I don't feel like reading today. And before long, that big calling about, about doing something spiritual starts getting spiritual sounding excuses. I've heard everything in the book. Maybe not everything, but a lot of things. I've heard people start reading plans and then I'll ask them about it a week later and say, hey, how's that going, by the way? You know, I felt like I just wasn't digesting the word like I should have been. And so now I'm just reading here and there. So that way I better retain it. <laughs> wow, God. So you are now doing less spiritual things, but are becoming more spiritual. Wow. If only that could work at the gym. If only that could work in every other area of life. But it doesn't. Every other area of life says the more that you do, the more that you get out of. But we have, we have grown accustomed to making these just silly, spiritual-sounding excuses 
and uh, allowing them to to literally disservice us and cause us to be strayed away from growing in our faith. Another one. Oh, well, I feel like I, I need to take a, a step away from church for a while because I feel like I need to, I've, I've gotten too used to being fed by church and I'm not feeding myself. And so I'm going to leave church for a while so I can start feeding my own spirit. Sounds so spiritual, but the reality is if you haven't already been doing it now, you probably won't do it after you take what little spiritual edification you have out. It's 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 like saying I I've been uh I've been going to the gym once a week, but I feel like now it would be better for me to just go on walks uh, throughout the week instead of going to the gym. And then you've never been you could you could have always been going on walks. You could have always been doing it. But now you're taking away something good you've been doing and saying, oh, but I'm going to do it more often, just less. It, it just doesn't make sense, guys. And we've sold ourselves short in making these excuses of, of why we can't do greater things. Let's just be authentic and real. Uh, you know, uh, as I'm sharing these things, I'm not trying to knock on anybody I'm not trying to talk about anyone specifically. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. What I'm trying to say is let's examine our hearts and just be authentic about it. If you if you were to say, uh, I feel like, I, I, you know, I just feel like God is calling me to not go to church for a couple months because he just wants me to rest. Dude, look, I want to rest. That That's you. That's We all want to rest. We all get burnt out. And God wants us to grow spiritually. There's there's moments where we rest, yeah, but I don't think that that's necessarily what rest looks like. Ben, you think God's really calling you to just stay home on Sunday and binge watch Netflix? That's really rest? No. Every time I've heard somebody tell me that the reason for not going to church, almost every time afterwards they say, I should have just gone. And every time that someone was about to not go and ends up going, they always say, I'm so glad I made it. This is what I needed. You can actually go to church and be tired and feel so much more well-rested afterwards because of the spiritual experience. It's just, it's a spiritual thing. And we got to stop talking ourselves out of doing spiritual things by spiritual sounding excuses. And so with that being said, Let's stop demanding more prayer to be sure of things. Let's stop making asking God for more signs when he's calling us to do something. There are so many of us, you, have had these urges to even pray for somebody or invite somebody to church or even go to church. And you, it, like this simple thing of like going to church, maybe you haven't been in a long time. Dude, I get it. But you feel this urge to and you keep saying, well, God, if that's you calling me to church, give me another sign. Just make it clear to me. Guys, when, when scripture tells us to not forsake the gathering of, of the brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't need a sign to tell us again. It's like saying, well, God, if you really don't want me to murder somebody, give me a sign. He's already told us in scripture. We don't, <laughs> we don't have to ask for another sign. And so it's, I, I hope this is making sense. And I really am praying that this isn't coming across as judgmental or condemning, but guys, it's just it's for us to grow. I I hate seeing 
Christians trying and struggling, and but falling short in areas because they've allowed their hearts to convince them out of their faith. The Bible says our hearts are incredibly deceitful. When the times that I decide to fast and I say, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start fasting. I'm gonna fast this day," the day before. My body will try to do anything to convince me out of it. Well, you know what? That is a Thursday, and Thursdays are always tough, and you are going to work out that day. It's probably not a good day to fast. It would be better for you to just do something else instead of fast. you got to take care of your kids. It's like every reason will stop you from doing something spiritual, but at the end of the day, the more spiritual things you do, the more your spirit will grow. And it is, it is unfulfilling to be a Christian without a spiritual fulfillment. This, it's the spiritual aspects that give us peace, joy, the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it is the, all the fun stuff is in the spirituality of our faith. And so if we to only just take the, the, like chew on the bones, if we only take the grits and we don't partake in any of the, the glorious like meat, the steak that's available, we're, we're going to be malnourished in our faith. And so I, I really encourage you. It's, it's important to be wise. It's important to consider things. But there's some times where God just calls us to do something. And we should make more of a practice of doing it rather than uh, being so smart that we talked ourselves out of it. On Judgment Day, I would rather be gullible and and I would rather be gullible and generous with my faith than so smart that I reserved all of my faith actions. Does that make sense? To, uh, on Judgment Day, God, I just I just thought it was you, so I did it. Compared to, well, God, I knew that wasn't you, and so I did not help that person. <laughs> it's I hope this is making sense. And you know the. The, closing this message, I want you to I want you to take a moment to pray. I want us to take a moment to pray, and we talked about it a good bit here. We talked looking at Mary. We we lo- we looked at how childlike faith it actually takes a lot more strength to be childlike in our faith than it is to to be so smart to where we resist every action of faith. We talked about how God's calling is so beautiful and magnificent but at the same time it is harder than we thought it is brutal it is it is it can be agonizing but the beauty makes it worth it and we talked about how being sure often stops us from activating that calling needing to be sure often hinders and is really just an excuse to procrastinate what we feel like God is telling us to do Yes, we should always pray. It, it, yes, it's great when God gives us signs. But there's moments where just the faith is enough. And maybe the thing that you've been struggling with is being sure just with your walk with God. Maybe you've been struggling with just the simple aspect of being sure of your faith in Jesus Christ. And this is this battle that you've been going back and forth in. And you still... You feel like you haven't made that that like fine final commitment, that final decisions where it's like I'm in, and I I, I want you to 
just have a moment to pray. And whether it's that or whether it's God's been telling you to do something, this is like the message for you. Like, I need to answer my calling. I need to stop procrastinating. I need to stop pushing off tomorrow what I can do today. And whatever it is for you, I want you to just pray and say, God, what is it that you're calling me to do right now? What is it that you're calling me to do right now? And if, if you're listening to this and you know, just, you just know that God is calling you to start that relationship with Jesus, to start this walk, this journey with God. I, the Bible says in the book of Romans that all it takes is a conversation, an authentic conversation. It says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and rose from the dead, if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, that surely you shall be saved. And when I think about that, it is a simple conversation with Jesus saying, I'm, I'm here, I see what you did for me, and I, I want what you have. I want to walk this out, and I want to understand your grace. I want to understand your love. And I want to understand what it's like to have a real relationship with my Creator. And so often we are unsure about this walk because we have been conditioned to believe that God is just mad at us. We've been conditioned to believe that it's the fear of God that brings us to repentance. When in fact in Romans, did you know that says God's kindness is what draws us to repentance. It's a realization of God's amazing love grace and kindness to us even when we didn't deserve it that that is what draws us to him and so if that's you i want you to just have an authentic prayer say say something like jesus i believe you're the son of god i believe what you did on the cross that you died for me and for the world and for our sins and i believe you rose from the dead you proved who you are i want to walk this out as a real relationship with you jesus I don't want churchianity. I don't want just a show. I want an authentic relationship with you. Help me to, to walk this point forward in you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me. Help me to understand your love and help me to see myself and others the way you see them. In Jesus' name. If you prayed something like that, we'd love to connect with you. At Gravetop, we are all about community and connection. And there's not one of us that haven't started a journey not knowing what we're doing. <laughs> and we want you to know that we, we look at each other as family and that not one of us is perfect. We're not here to judge one another, but we're here to be transparent with one another and be real with the, our struggles, be real with, with even our aspirations, our dreams, as well as our weaknesses and not have a fear of judgment or condemnation from others. And so if you want to be a part of the Gravetop family, maybe you've been watching online or listening to our messages for a while. Maybe today is the day to just get connected. We would love to meet you. We'd love to talk with you. And even if you have the opportunity to come in person, our in-person gatherings are so fulfilling. And there's just different aspects of meeting in person together that we don't get to get online. But we want you to know that you do belong. And we truly believe everyone matters. With that being said, I'm so grateful for our Gravetop family, my favorite church in the world. If you have it on your hearts to give today, you can go to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, you can give now online, 
or you can get through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. And just like I always say, I want you to know without a doubt, I never want you to feel pressured or persuaded to give when you don't want to. That is something between you and God. That's not something between us. We are only a steward of your act of worship. And, and we value the trust that, in, that is enacted when you do give. Because you're trusting us to do what what we uh, to do what is right with what you're giving to God, but with that being said, it is the most personal act of worship. It is simply between you and God, and it shouldn't be pressured or persuaded by me or anybody else. But if you do have it on your hearts to give today, we want you to know that it makes a difference at Gravetop. It helps us and empowers us to continue to do what we do, to connect with others that haven't been connected with, to have messages like this, to just fulfill Gravetop's mission, to fulfill ourselves as a church. And so we want you to know that we are so grateful for those of y'all who are generous and who donate, and we love you, we value you. That being said, have a great rest of your evening. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and this week is going to be good. No matter what has happened in your life, I want you to know maybe this week is the week where everything turns around. I believe that this week is going to be a good week. I pray that God blesses you, that he provides for all of your needs, that he protects you. And most of all, I pray that he gives you peace this week. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.